the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? This is Nick Calgar Mitchell with the Paper Trails Podcast, and we are back with episode three of season two. Um, and this is a first for us. I cannot wait. Uh, this is a Zoom. Obviously, if you guys have been following our podcast, you guys have seen you know, the growth that we've had. We had 30 episodes in the first season, and we're a couple episodes in on season two. Uh, but this is a first for Paper Trails, where we are uh, actually uh, interviewing uh, Jason Thomas with Healthy Brand Oil. They are actually a vendor of mine. For you guys that, that may not know, um, you know, I, uh, I own a paper disposable business that I run during the day. And then we also have a little bit of, uh, of some food, more kind of, you know, dry, you know, non-perishable items, frying oil, sugar, a couple, couple of things like that. And, um, and actually, J- Jason, just so you know how I even got into oil, this is how it worked because, you know, 12, yeah, 12 years ago, uh, whenever we started the, the business, you know, and I started doing sales, I, um, I started going into restaurants and obviously looking for the napkins and the cups and the, the pizza boxes and, you know, things like that. And everybody would have the same jugs of oil in the restaurant. Everybody it would be a 35 pound with the handle, a little plastic. And I was like, and I'll talk to my cousin, you know, my, my business partner, uh, my cousin, John, and, you know, I do more of the sales. He does more of the warehouse, um, you know, purchasing things like that. And uh, I was like, John, we have to, like, these people are ordering five, 10, 12, 15, in some cases, jugs of oil a week. Like, what if we were able to make a dollar on a jug? I mean, this is an extra, you know, we're already going to these restaurants. So essentially, Jason, that's kind of how we started to, to bring your products in. But uh, I'm, I'm super pumped to have Jason on the podcast. You know, uh, we met through our mutual friend, our broker, Jeff Laurie, who we had Jeff uh, on the, the the podcast last season and, and had a chance to to just get a different perspective of the food business. You know, Jason, um, you know, just so you get a better some better context, you know, our our podcast is all about entrepreneurship, business ownership, uh, and the food industry. That, that's what we're involved in. It's what the industry I grew up in. And I think bringing on, you know, couple, uh, our first episode had a local farmer. Uh, it, it just got uh, released a couple of days ago. Um, that sells organic carrots, celery, spring mix to the local restaurants. And so we're bringing in different people this season that are involved in the food business, but maybe not as directly as people would think. And so, um, so anyways, Jeff, who is our broker, who's our kind of liaison between healthy brand and us, um, you know, was talking to me about being on, on, uh, you know, on the phone with you, you know, making deals you know, there's a lot of kind of fluctuation in the market, and I was like, I'm like, I'm like, tell me more about this Jason guy. Who, uh, you know, who is this guy, Jeff? And he's like, man, this guy's the real deal. They built a solid company. They're they're big enough to kind of play with the big boys, but you know, they're small and nimble enough to actually create blends. And I mean, you know, and I'm, you know, very ignorant to the oil. I mean, I know a little bit about a little bit about the oil business. And so anyway, I was like, you know what? Why don't you ask him to come on? I'd love to have him on. He's like, well, he's in New York. How do you feel about that? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, we, we do have Zoom. We do have different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, Jason, I'm super pumped to have you on. I love. I, I can't wait to, to hang with you, love, learn from you. 
and um, just just kind of jam a little bit and talk about business and, and the industry and how you built your company. And, um, you know, because, I mean, that's kind of who we're talking to. We're talking to the entrepreneur, we're talking to the, 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 the budding business owner, or even maybe something that just wants to become elite top level in their industry, right? You know, maybe, you know, a lot of times being the, you know, the number five person at Facebook is better than being the number one mm-hmm. person, right? You know, you don't mm-hmm. have a lot of the, 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 the stress and stuff like that, but you're still up there. You're still, you're still, you know, making an impact. You're still getting paid, all that stuff. So um, anyway, let's do this. Jason, let's start with a little, um, a little intro. Give us your background, where you're from, um, maybe even how you got into the oil business. How, how did, the, how does somebody even enter, you know, um, you know, your industry or even consider it? So, you know, maybe we can, you can give some insight to your, uh, your background. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Thanks uh, a bunch for having me. I uh, love what you're doing here and, and really uh, an honored to be part of it. Um, so I grew up outside of Buffalo, New York in a small town called Medina um, and then uh, made my way, uh, went to college actually down your way for a year at Wingate University um, and then uh, finished my last three years at West Virginia University. Um Moved home uh, that summer and and didn't have uh, too much of a game plan other than you know started looking for jobs. Um, connected with a company down here in New York City that was selling sports hospitality packages and and I had a sport management degree um, and and uh, didn't know anyone didn't have a place to stay and uh, loaded up my car and and lived in a hotel for two weeks and uh said let's give it a go and and that was uh, the summer of 2000 and and um you know knock on wood we you know been able to kind of you know carve out a little life myself down here uh outside the city um in queens and long island um so spent about a year there um you know kind of coincided with some of the dot-com boosts where people really weren't looking to you know spend thousands of dollars uh you know taking their clients to the final four and um, was doing some kind of, you know, spot gigs and, and, and uh, side hustles to pay the bills. And um, a roommate of mine had gotten a job with a company called Bunzel, uh, a large paper distributor. I had some interviews there and they wound up not wanting to hire uh, me because we were roommates at the time. And, but they did connect me with my current partner who I've now been with uh, for 20 years uh, here next May, this May. And uh, so everything kind of, you know, shook out for the best. But at the time, uh, he had a paper brokerage uh, selling products that, you know, I'm sure your company deals in every day, paper bags and meat trays and and disposable aluminum containers. Um, And, you know, we started doing that and and doing pretty well. And uh, just like you, everywhere we went in had cases and cases of of edible oil. And uh, we, we said, you know, this is seems to be a very interesting business that pretty much all of our customers, even on the paper side, were involved in in some way. So we started by actually representing um, a packer of edible oils. We set up a very large facility uh, over in New Jersey, um, you know, fully automated, 50,000 square feet. They were going to, you know, kind of take on the world. Um, I don't think they made it more than two or three months uh, because they had failed to calculate the the uh, the capital needs on the oil side, just sourcing the oil. So they quickly ran out of money, and uh, you know we were we had gotten a taste now and said, "Geez, you know, selling thirty five pound soybean oil if you got a decent price is is um, is something we'd like to do some more of." 
Um, so, you know, we went out, we found an investor who, you know, had owned his own, his own plastic company and was looking to get back into business in some way. We found a little facility here in Queens. Um, literally, there'll probably be a wrecking ball hitting it here, uh, you know, in the coming months. It, it's an old freight house, you know, 100 years old, probably due for demolition sometime in the next couple of years, I would guess. Um, and we started packing oil there. And uh, the old joke is, you know, the first rail car pulled up and uh, we stared at it for two or three weeks and, you know, slowly but surely packed it off and sold it. And, um, you know, next thing, a year or two down the road, we, we started actually, you know, turning a couple of rail cars a week and, and the thing started turning into kind of a, a, you know, from a side project to, you know, more of a, a real business. And, and that was uh, 2004 uh, of November. Um, so, you know, it's, it's come a long way since then and, and, uh, but we feel like we're just getting started as well. That's awesome. I mean, uh, so, so to, to, to you know, let, let me unpack a lot of that because you, yeah. you, you went a lot. Okay. So, so you had no intention of starting or getting into this business. It was literally coincidental. You were selling paper products like we are. Yep. And then you were, you found a local supplier that just supplied you you know, oil, edible oil to sell to your clients. And then they went out of business. And then you were like, Hey, what's going on here? Like, Hey, like you have this yeah. equipment it's not properly funded. Right. Yeah. They, um, you know, it, it was a very simple kind of operation, even though they had a lot of the equipment to, to be automated, it was really one product. It was 35 pounds soybean oil. Um, I'm sure they had plans to do, you know, other products past that, but, um, you know, as you're familiar, you know, you, you can go into a lot of distributors here locally, especially in the ethnic trade and the Chinese markets. I mean, you got guys taking a truck a day of, of soybean oil. So, you know, having, we had homes, you know, we had relationships, we had, um, places to go sell it, you know, right out of the go. Um, so, you know, it, it seemed like a great opportunity, you know, the little we understood of it to looking backwards. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, it was it was great to partner. We felt like we had, you know, a new entry into the market and the market really needed, you know, a new supplier for a number of different reasons. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, they they didn't quite, you know, have a, a game plan that 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 allowed for you know, them to continue operations and, and their business kind of their equipment and location all just kind of evaporated into, you know, equipment land. Um, and uh, so we were sit standing there now knowing, you know, a little more about the business and, and, you know, even more intrigued than we were, you know, when we had started. So yeah, uh, un unconventional, I guess, to say the least. Do you remember, like the conversation <clears throat> that maybe you and your partner had about like, hey, should we just take over this? I mean, like, do you remember that conversation? Was it like, or I mean, how, how did that even happen? How did that even like, were you just like, Hey, let's just buy this guy out. Like how did, how did that even happen? No. So the first uh, company uh, that was in New Jersey wound up just completely like evaporating kind of overnight. Uh, the, yeah. the partner that we brought in um, early on, um, you know, went and, and kind of said, Hey, you know, I'm interested in potentially investing but the, the person did not want to, you know, really even negotiate. And, and so it was just something that was almost untouchable. Um, so when, when that kind of went, opportunity went away, 
Um, we had reached out to somebody locally who was doing a little packing for us. And then I randomly was at a customer one day and uh, was trying to you know, sell him some oil. And he said, oh, you're, you should contact this, this gentleman. His name is Steve Maiman. Um, and, and he has a packing facility in Long Island City. And, and so I gave him a call. We went over and we looked at his facility and he, he, he had a machine, he had a tank, he had a forklift, he had no oil because he had no money. Um, and, and really, you know, no kind of business plan to, to make it operational. Um, so we paid for some oil to come into to his facility and, and have him pack it off for us. Um, and, and that, you know, went okay. Um, but we, we, we saw quickly that in order to make a go of it, we would need to get, remove him from, from the process. Um, so that's kind of how it unfolded. Gotcha. Okay. I, I thought, uh, that first company in New Jersey yeah. was the one that you ended up, no. you know, oh, that's a different one. Okay. Well, you know, listen, there, you know, there, there's a story in itself about the power of networking and meeting people. When, when, when people give you yeah. numbers, call them immediately. Don't hesitate. You know, go introduce yourself. I mean, I think there's a there's a big lesson there. You know, for anybody listening, you know that um, you know don't. I mean, just there's you never know where relationships may lead. You never know. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. It may be, you know, it may lead to nothing. It may be your next best friend. It may be your business partner. I mean, who knows? So, um, so okay, I like that. So you ended up, you know, talking to Steve, and then do you know, do you remember the conversation you had with your business partner about? taking over Steve's business, packing business? I mean, was that like, do you remember saying like, hey, this isn't, you know, we need to start doing this ourselves? Like, did, did you in your mind ever fathom you would ever get where you're at? Or was it just like, hey, let's let's take over because we see this guy maybe can't keep up and like just to have oil for us? I don't know. Like, did you ever yeah. think it would be a whole entity in itself or maybe just – you would stay in the paper business. I know, by the way, we would have a look, some con some contacts and some, yeah. some supply here. Um, you know, I think at the time we saw a lot of opportunity okay. in the space. And, um, you know, positionally in New York, um, a lot of the main suppliers are across the river into New Jersey. You know, some of them may be as close as 10, 15 miles away. But in New York terms, you know, that could be an hour and a half, you know, drive. Um, so, you know, there's, there was, there was kind of an underserved, um, you know, market here, let's call it from Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, over to Long Island, um, that at the time was not getting deliveries, uh, hated their suppliers, um, but needed to deal with them because of some brands that they had, or there just weren't any other options. So, um, we, we got a sense for that very quickly and, and felt confidently that we could add some value. Um, and, and then from there, you know, I, I think um, we, we always say here 17 years later, always thought that there was uh, big places for the company to go. And we're very proud of where it's at. But the truth is, you know, uh, we're what I would call a, a sizable company, but, you know, versus some of the folks we compete with, you know, we're, we're running a facility that may pack, you know, 25% uh, of, of the oil that an ADM packs or a Cargill packs. So, you know, there's still a, a lot of room out there and, and with the right, you know, offerings and differentiations, um, we feel that, you know, we can grow into to something of that scale. So, 
awesome awesome yeah we'll we'll take them down you know just yeah. <laughs> one, pound, one pound at a time nick right it, 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 it. it doesn't happen overnight mm-hmm. that's the competitor in me so anyway yeah. um well cool okay so you know let's let's talk a little bit about this let's talk about the the, the actual product how does you know, for, for the for the viewer that just is learning more about edible oil or frying oil, you know, how does it end up in a, you know, for, for the regular consumer, a bottle of oil in the store? You know, is it, I mean, most likely, is it, is it canola oil that's always sold or vegetable oil that's always sold in the, in the grocery stores? Yeah, so typically there'll be three main, uh, what I'll call commodity offerings. There'll be vegetable oil in the retail space, which will be uh, typically soybean or canola. Um, and then canola is, is kind of sold, labeled as canola, and then corn oil um, would be the third. Uh, typically, soybean oil is, is the, the cheapest, so that's what you see you know, ending up in, in vegetable oil, although you know, canola oil can, can also fill that bill as well. Uh, all very similar in nature, all kind of taste and flavor neutral. Um, and, you know, there's some slight differentiations, but functionally, uh, they're, they're very similar products. Okay. So, so for the average viewer, uh, yeah. myself, to be quite honest with you, how does that process work from a, a soybean on a farm? You know, I don't want to like, you know, uh, what's the word, you know, uh, Anyway, like, you know, I, I don't want to like just say it, but like, you know, in the Midwest, probably somewhere yeah. you know, farm in the Midwest, um, how does that end up as oil? Like how did like, like maybe like tell us the process yeah. how it ends up from an actual plant to actual, um, you know, in a jug, whether it's in a restaurant in bulk or a bottle at a grocery store at a retail center. Beans. They may be the simplest one to kind of uh, understand how the the, the, uh, the process works. Um, large crushers will source uh, soybeans from farmers. They will bring them in and they will uh, first do what's called crush them. Um, most of that 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 is done chemically. It's not actually a physical crush. They use chemicals to separate the oil and the fat, the oil and uh, the the fat and the protein. So. Think of the, that as the fat being the oil and the protein being what, what has been uh, meal, which mostly goes into animal feed. So uh, what you have at that point is crude um, soybean oil and, and soybean meal. The meal is either uh, exported or sold to uh, people che- feeding chickens or, or hogs mostly. Um, and then, uh, from there, the, the crude soybean oil will go to, through a refining process. And at that point it's called, uh, refined, bleached, and deodorized. Uh, they remove the chemicals that were involved in the extraction. They, um, will, uh, you know, they will make it flavor and taste neutral and really make it food grade, a food, food grade product out of it. Um, and, and so from there, you know, these, these byproducts can, you know, are sold, um, like I said, meal to, to animal feeders, but oil, um, is either goes into the food channel or more and more is, it ends up going into, uh, what's called biodiesel. So just like corn that, you know, you'll see 10% ethanol, which, which comes from corn in diesel, they blend in soy, different varieties of soybean oil. It can, it, different varieties, meaning 
in the refining process, you go from the crude all the way to the RBD, um, different plants can use different versions, but it more and more, and it's becoming a much bigger topic right now because of so much capacity is being added. Um, it ends up in the gas tank or the diesel tank of trucks around the country. Hmm? Interesting. I, I would have not have guessed that. Yeah. So and it's actually, of- it's actually the needle moving um, demand right now. Uh, the food business is, is mostly constant. Um, you know, you have year over year growth, um, you know, and depending on kind of global markets for canola and palm oils, you know, you can see some shifts, um, but by and large, the food usage is known. Uh, the biodiesel usage, though, is, is something that is continuing to grow. And, and I would say the most aligned to really uh, suck a lot of the soybean oil out of the pipeline um, as it's ever been. Uh, that's a combination of capacity that's, that's been or being built, and, number one. And then number two, um, the incentives that are in place from a taxation and what's called a blender's credit. Um, all the pieces are really in the puzzle right now for that industry to make a major impact uh, in the soybean oil markets. Part of that, you know, you can see reflected in the current price, which is, you know, basically doubled since uh, this time last year. Interesting. So, so you're seeing, so for biodiesel, for people that maybe don't know, it's pretty much a natural form of diesel so trucks can run, correct? Yeah, it's a uh, you know, and and I, I don't I, I won't I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole because uh, you know you'll get a lot of differentiating opinions. But essentially, the the bet that the government has made is that uh, burning soybean oil is one renewable and two cleaner burning. Gotcha. So uh, it, it's a it's a better alternative than you know just running the the crude oil version of diesel. Um, and we see the same thing in ethanol. There's some advantages there, um, you know, on the corn side, uh, where we're just seeing more and more of these products used in, in our gas tank. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know much about biodiesel. I just know my best friend, my roommate in college got into it maybe like eight years ago. He had an excursion, you know, it's like a 6.7 liter, like V8. I mean, it was a massive, uh, you know, truck and uh, he was into biodiesel for like, a, you know, six months and then stopped, you know, he got out of yeah. it. He, he nonstop talked about it. And I was like, all right, man, you know, all right. You know, yeah. so, but, um, okay. Interesting. So let's, let's dive into, you know, maybe uh, you mentioned already um, p- price fluctuations. It sounds like, okay. So from, from maybe the, the, the consumer that doesn't know, or maybe there's some owners listening that do know, um, like you said, over the last, has it been year, maybe that, that the, the price of oil has probably doubled. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically that that's about right. Um, you know, we saw the big sell off, uh, that, that everything, you know, really, you know, from the stock market to other commodities last March, April timeframe with, with COVID. And, and then we slowly just started kind of, you know, grinding higher, um, you know, something, uh, you know, we, we came into 2020 having abundance of, of soybean stocks, um, you know, plenty of product to go around. And, and slowly but surely, we had kind of a, a less than, than great crop here in, in the North America in 2020. And at the same time, um, because of the COVID issues around the world, 
you know, other countries were saying, you know, we've got a lot of problems here. We can't run out of food. We need to, to go from just in time inventory on, on these major grain products to building some inventory because of all these supply disruptions. So you saw China come in and, and, and really just, you know, I think they set a record in 2020 for their soybean, um, you know, purchases from the U.S. Um, but other countries around the world as well, they wanted to increase the, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the agricultural products that they had on hand because, you know, they can't let, they can't let uh, on top of COVID, on top of all these other issues, they can't also then let their population go hungry. So there were some major moves when we saw these low prices, buyers from around the world stepped in and said, it's time to refill the bins and make sure that we take, you know, supply disruptions off the table, starvation off the table for our people. And they really backed the truck up. So on top of that, you had, like I said, not a great crop in 2020, or let's say less than, than um, anticipated. Uh, so we went from swimming in soybeans to essentially right now having none. Um, so quite a sea change, which can happen in, in these commodity markets. And, and um, then you throw on the biodiesel component to the oil side of things. And it's almost like a perfect storm right now for, you know, sourcing um, a lot of products. I'm sure you're seeing it on, on, a, lot, on a lot of plastics and paper. Um, it really is a, a tough environment to, when you, to, to, to get your hands on physical goods. Yeah, I mean, just, to, you know, I'm, I'm sure you hear from your business partner, but, you know, 12 years of having our business, I mean, I've, the last four months, we've never seen so many increases from everything, every part of the, literally yeah. every part of the industry, four or five months now, there's been some major, major increases. So <clears throat> interesting. Now, I guess I'm just curious for myself. Jason, when you started seeing other countries start buying a lot of product, soybean, I mean, I don't know, what was your what was your initial reaction to that? Like, did you really think that it was a starvation thing? Or do you think that, I don't, like, is there, I mean, I guess I'm just curious now, like, not that I'm a conspiracy person, yeah. but I mean, is that really the, the reason there was so much purchasing? Like, what was the, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that maybe threw you off a little bit too, right? Kind of seeing what was happening. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it kind of happens incrementally. You know, um, everyone doesn't just run in and buy at the same time, but you start seeing purchases that make you say, huh, you know, that, that's an interesting purchase. I'll give you an example. India is the world's largest um, importer of vegetable oils in the world. And, you uh, they made a purchase, I'm going to say, in or around uh, August of last year, shooting from the hip there, but um, at a time when soybean oil had kind of just broken out of a, a pretty well-defined trading range and, and was more, you know, what I would call toward, you know, three, four, five-year highs. And, and what I said to customers was, if the world's largest buyer importer of, of vegetable oils is making a buy at three and four years high, three and four year highs, that should, that should say something to you. That should say that I don't think I have more information than, than, than India, a country of a billion people. 
um, who who's really you know the foundation of their their government's existence may be revolve around making sure their people are fed. You know th- that was that was one that really made me raise an eyebrow, and I and I tried to communicate that to to our customers to say there might be something cooking here. No, no pun intended there with the cooking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something frying, as we say here. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and India has, is becoming like an up-and-coming nation too, right? Like, I mean, from, oh, yeah. from what I know, I mean, I'm, I don't, you know, I, I know that they're putting a lot of money into, you know, uh, education and infrastructure and that they really want to be a player uh, up there in the game. So um, interesting. Okay. I, I just was curious more than anything, just to see like, if your eyebrows were getting raised a little bit of like, okay, what's, uh, what's happening here. Okay. So, so, um, so yeah, so major disruption, supply and demand seems like it's, it's one of them. <clears throat> and then obviously other industries that are using the product as well, you know, these natural resources with soybeans. Um, and so let's talk about maybe your company, you know, so what, what, for people that are maybe listening, what, what do you guys offer? What do you guys do? How, how are you different? I know that you, you said that, um, or from what Jeff explained to me, that you guys, you know, uh, obviously carry your weight and, and know what you're talking about. And by the way, just, you know, last night when I was doing a little kind of due diligence, I had no idea the chemistry involved in what's happening in oil. Like I watched a couple of videos and it's like, polymers and this and confection <laughs> and i mean frying some chicken and i was looking at some yeah. of your some of your social media i'm like like this this could be a technical actual product i i did not realize the the detail that it takes you know what i mean i, I guess my mind was just so simple like i like oh, you just you know I, in, in my mind squeeze a soybean turns into oil <laughs> You just pack it in this jug and then ship it, but it's it it it's a lot more than that, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It really is uh, the the act. At least if we're talking about frying, is is a chemical is is chemistry, um, as, as I call it. Yeah, there's a, a video on my my LinkedIn, and I think our company's LinkedIn that that kind of goes through this. But um, you know, you you really need you can take the best food you know that that you want to buy. If you're putting it into an oil that that is not, you know, chemi- kind of chemically ready to do what you need it to do, your results are not going to be where you want them. Um, so, you know, on our frying side, well, we got started with all the commodity oils, the soybeans, the canola, the canola fries, and, and those are fine solutions, and and they're um, they're you know what I would call uh, low low price but high cost items. Um, you put them in the fryer. Um, you know, people typically change them, you know, very quickly. Um, they don't, they don't, they, the price is low, but, you know, you end up having to constantly, you know, change the oil out. Um, what, what we uh, are doing more and more though, and seeing, um, especially at, at a time where prices are rising is, is end users saying, you know, my case of oil that used to cost me $20 is now costing me 35 or 40 I, I need to take a look at this and see, is there a solution that's more efficient? And, and there are. Um, the main uh, products in that space are what's called high oleic oils. Uh, there's, there's a sunflower version, there's a soybean oil version, and there's a canola version. But all of them um, basically have been developed to, to give us a more stable oil. 
And, and, and what we're talking about is probably two to three times the stability of a regular soybean oil. So, and, and why, why stability is, is the whole key to the frying game is because when you drop food into a fryer, if you do it into oil that is not stable, the, the product starts absorbing the oil, okay? So what, you, what you, you don't get is that crispy outside and the, the inside is now filled with oil that it shouldn't be if you had stable oil. So you drop that same piece of food into um, you know, something that is stable and you will, it will instantly almost like flash cook that outside giving you that crispiness while the inside steams and and what that's going to give you better food quality your less oil is going in the food and onto the consumer's plate so you're not topping off the fryer and you're changing your oil two to three times less than you would with the the, the inferior product there's also some other added benefits like um, you know higher monosaturated ma uh, makeup in in the fat makeup uh, where regular soybean oil has, is very high in polyunsaturated, uh, high oleic is 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 uh, more on par with an you know extra virgin olive oil, um, and it's just it's a healthier product, um, high in monounsaturated fats. It's you know this is this is not this is straight from the you know the the health uh, experts around the world. Monounsaturated fats are healthier than poly. Um, so it gives you a lot of extra benefits to, you know, what you're doing. Um, but the economics first and foremost are, are just better, um, by making sure that you're using the right product and, you know, it, it, it's very impactful and, and it's often overlooked for a lot of operators, I feel. So is that something that, you know, uh, you would, I mean, obviously to each his own, I get it. But if you were talking to a restaurant owner right now and you're just talking to them, you would have, you would tell them to consider a is that high oleic, high oleic yes. oil. So you, high you, would, you would tell them to consider having a high oleic uh, oil. A hundred percent. We like to look at the, this part of an operator's, um, you know, uh, how they should view this oil piece and, and their fryer in, in, uh, in a couple pieces. One, get something that's going to deliver good quality food, right? Because if you don't have that, the customers are not going to come back. Yeah. Um, secondarily, let's, let's get something that's the, the most that has the lowest cost of use, right? As we said before, soybean oil, uh, regular soybean oil is 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 the um, the lowest price, but the highest cost. High oleic soybean oil has a much higher price, but a much lower cost. And then and then look at taking uh, opportunities that the market gives us to to forward book um, the right solution. And and how I like to think about it is, you know, the the big guys like a McDonald's or something like that. They they basically have two objectives. That is keep the menu board pricing low and and profits high, and if and if a lot if locking in uh, price and supply of something like your cooking oil today for forward use allows you to achieve those two objectives, then to me it's really a no brainer, right? We can talk about where the markets are going. I can give you a half hour opinion on what's happening there and what I you know think is going to happen. No one really knows for sure. 
no one knew that COVID was going to hit and basically, you know, uh, send those markets down 30, 40, 50%. And no one knew on the backside of it, we'd be, you know, doubling from there. So the, the opinions about where the market goes are great and, and we're happy to provide them. And, and, but we like to work with operators and say, you know, let's take a more risk management approach. And let's try to lock, keep your, your, your input costs low, which allows you to keep the, the, your pricing competitive, provide good food quality, and uh, make sure the supply and the, and the cost structure is in place um, out into you know, the foreseeable future. So uh, you know, it's a little different methodology, I guess, than I think most people who, who would work with, with the operators would have. But we think it's the right one, and, and we think um, anytime that you can achieve, you know, those objectives, you're you're well ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you know, let me let me say a couple of things. You know, first first, I'd love to tell the audience that the one thing that has impressed me the most about not only the broker that you chose here in the Carolinas with, uh, you know, is it BOA that just yeah BNA yeah BNA. Is and then you guys is the level of communication that you give us as suppliers is really high. Just just to be honest with you, I don't I don't see. I mean, the I we get regular emails from Jeff as far as what's happening in the market. I mean, I that is very impressive. Just so you know, um, and I'm not just saying that just to blow smoke at you. I mean, thank you. Like it's it's very impressive. Number two, um, just like your suggestion, I would, I would highly recommend uh, all operators like you're talking about, you know, cause it's really easy to get comfortable in what you're doing, right? Like you think, you know, you're buying this basic commodity oil. It's, it's, it is what it is. You know what? There's different products, try them out, you know, test them out, you know, you know, uh, put them in a, in a fryer and use, you put your product in there and see how it comes out and then see how long it lasts. I mean, I think it's, and that's to anybody, to be quite honest with you, you know, challenge your comfort zone, challenge the routine that you have. Um, so that's a second thing that, that I'd love to just say. Any thoughts on that as far as, you know, talking to the operator about, you know, maybe, maybe stepping out of maybe what you're comfortable doing and see what else is available? Yeah. And, and you know, we talked a little bit about some of the, the uh, things happening in the soybean market. And, and you could say, well, OK, that, that just affects my, my price of, of oil. Um, but I would push back and say, no, it, it affects pretty much a, a lot of your major inputs. You know, as I said, the, these, these, the, uh, the, the grains are either going into, are making oil, but, but the byproduct is, is also animal feed. So that's going to play into your, your, your meat costs. Um, it may be feeding dairy cows, which goes into milk and cheese. There's a cascading effect to many of the products that you're using, you know, every day, especially, you know, in the commodity space. And what, it, what we see a lot is when, when we have these period of low prices and, and low volatility, which, you know, we can look at a, a chart of soybean oil from 2015 to, you know, basically 2020. And all right, it's a couple bucks either way for a case of oil, right? And, and you get lulled to sleep thinking that's, that's how it's going to be because that's how it's been for five years. But when these markets uh, change their, their kind of configuration, um, you know, we can see prices double and, and maybe even triple. 
And, and, and so it's important to not get, uh, you know, it, I know everybody's reopening and everybody's got a lot on their plate. Business is predicted to be great. Um, and, and, you know, everyone's going to be chasing their tail probably to, to accomplish a lot of that. But really take a look at your input costs because we are in kind of uncharted waters in a lot of ways in these commodity markets. And, you know, while oil, the price of oil has doubled, um, you know, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but we still have a major supply issue with edible oils in this country. So can it go higher? It absolutely can. In 2008, the futures price went to 72 cents. We're currently trading around 52 cents. So, uh, you know, that's another, you know, 20 cents a pound or seven, eight bucks a case. Um, if, if we were to go there, we could sell off as well. Yeah. But the, 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 the important thing here is, is that these, um, the, the current state of the commodity markets to me are, are unlike, we're, we're running some kind of experience from a macro economic environment that we've never done. Um, you know, with all this money printing, um, you know, stimulating of the economy. Uh, there's some, we're in unprecedented times here. And I would say don't get lulled into sleep thinking that your cost structure is going to look like it did in 2016 and 17. It may, but if it doesn't, what does that mean for your business? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, Jason. I, you know, I don't want to say as a hobby, but like, you know, when I, when I'm driving around from, you know, in different areas that I'm working and it may be 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half in a car, um, I don't know, like this may sound weird. I love like listening to like economists and like different people speaking on like business. I mean, I just love it. I really like yeah. it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, what is it? $5 trillion we've now printed in the last year and a half. I mean, this is, that's half of what we've ever printed ever in the history of the country or something, yeah. something absurd like that. And it just, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I don't want to say scary, but like, it's like, all right, interesting. Like I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to affect us long-term. You know what I mean? As far as yeah. inflation, commodities, products, you know, all of that, but um, interesting, interesting. Uh, let's, let's transition into this, Jason. Let's talk about business ownership. Let's talk about running a company. Like I'd love to hear your perspective. Is this the first business you've owned? It is. Yes. Uh, okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So 17 years now of running yep. this business, what are some things that you've learned, you know, uh, now that you've had it for almost two decades that you could give some insights, let's say to somebody that's just starting out or maybe somebody that wants to own a business in the future. I mean, what, what are some, you know, I don't know, like what is, is there some generic thoughts maybe about, living below your means and having some savings or, you know, having some people that if you need investors that have some pockets, you know, that you, I mean, or running a business in general or being aggressive or just not being passive. Is there any thoughts, things that you've learned 17 years now that, you know, when you were first starting out, you had absolutely no idea from running a business or how, how difficult it was or how easy it was, or maybe how the first, you know, um, I, I just know for me, I'll tell you my experience was I knew it was going to be worth it because I saw my parents own successful restaurants and real estate and stuff like that for 35, 40 years now. Um, and they could, you know, go on vacation for two months over the summer 
but that's not how it was the first 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, my dad told me they didn't take any big checks for 10 years. Like they, everything was going back into the company, opening a new store. Or I, I mean, they were just literally just, just paying their bills. Uh, for us, it was more like four or five years of really, I mean, it was very hard um, because, you know, our business is different than restaurants where our business is kind of low capital intensive. You could just get a little storage unit in the van and kind of, you know, buy product versus yeah. a restaurant is high capital intensive, but you open up and you got cash flow. I mean, people are, you know, you start having some record weeks, months, and you can start paying a lot of stuff off. How, what was your experience like in starting a company? Well, looking back now, I, I would say the, the uh, I think the number one thing I would say to someone is, is expect volatility, right? It, it, your, your results, even, or, you know, even if you're really doing well, I think are going to be inconsistent um, from year to year, depending on, you know, the landscape, the economy, you know, there's so many moving factors to, um, you know, what, you know, what will dictate your end result. Um and and that's okay, right? Because the volatility is what provides the the, the major upside. Um, it may also provide some very difficult years where you really have to buckle down and and try to scrape through. But you know, for me, it was you know I, I want to have that upside uncapped. And and when you take the leap to to do what we do, um, that's that's what you're doing. You know, <clears throat> while we're in the edible oil business. You know, we we have the freedom to build it, <clears throat> excuse me, in the shape that we think is is right for, um, you know, what the market is is looking for, and it doesn't have to look like any other edible oil business, and it doesn't have to look like any other business. Period. We can create it out of thin air, um, and that's where the uncapped upside really comes from. But you know, you're going to go through some some valleys along the way, even in in the best of best case scenarios. I mean, you can look at a company like Tesla, right? I mean, is anybody doing better than they are? But, you know, multiple times in their history, they've been at death's doors. And, and I think for any business, um, you know, you're, you're going to face those, those moments. And um, don't let that scare you off. Um, just understand what you're getting into and, and know that um, that's, that's, that's part of the experience. Um, and that's why the upside is there because the, the, the downside is there as well, but it's totally worth doing. And, and I, you know, it's given me my high, biggest highs outside of my, my kids and my family um, and in some of my biggest lows. And, but I wouldn't change anything. I would do it all over again. And, and uh, I'm still showing up 17 years in still, you know, trying to take the next step. So um, I'd say buckle up if you're, if you're interested, but, but well worth it. Hmm? Yeah, I mean, listen, I that I think that's why I love capitalism so much. It's 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 the, the freedom to, <clears throat> to win, the freedom to try, the freedom to fail. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's all there. It's all there, and it's it's just te- it's it's a it's a way to test you and test yourself and and what you're capable of and uh, your ability to adjust and lead and 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 there's so many factors in it. And so um, I like that. I like that. Um, I guess maybe on the same topic, I know that obviously you spoke earlier about, you know, having a business partner in the, in the industry or in the, in the, in the company, healthy brand, um, talk about that. Talk about, you know, what it, I mean, finding the right business partner, because that, that sometimes, I mean, 
you know, not to get in, you know, too much into the details, but I've seen my dad, you know, uh, have some business partners where things just didn't work out, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, maybe there could have been, I don't know, some more due diligence. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, you know, communication. I mean, that, that sometimes can be an issue. You know, what are your thoughts on if you're starting a business and you want to bring on a partner, what to look for, or what's made a good, a good partnership for you guys, maybe like what, what has led to that? I know uh, for my cousin and I, it's been 12 years now. And it's, I mean, we have a, first off, we're very different, very, very different, which is awesome. I mean, some people may not think it's good. It is very good. I mean, you know, we, we balance each other out pretty well. I mean, when it comes to the business, Jason, I'm willing to spend almost anything, you know, if it's computer buy the best, if it's literally anything, I don't know, like forklifts, you know, Wi-Fi, like, you know, internet service. I, I really don't care. I will, you know, and my cousin balances me out where he doesn't want to buy a stapler for his office. You know what I mean? He's like, I'll just borrow somebody else's, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, a little exaggeration there, but you know, it, you, you obviously get my point. Talk about that. Talk about maybe partnership and business. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, it happened very organically where, you know, there was an existing relationship and we, we, we started this other, you know, kind of secondary business. Um, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't claim to be an expert in, in going out and sourcing the, the right partner. But I, I would say um, that, ha- you know, having a good relationship with your partner, it, it seems of utmost imp- of, a, of importance because the day-to-day challenges in the business are, are always difficult and, and always hard and there's always going to be disagreements. And if there's animosity, you know, to, from, the, from the get-go, um, I think it's going to be very hard to, um, you know, overcome. Um, you know, I'd say one of the the things that one I'm very proud that my partner and I have have um, have been together for 20 years here, and and really, you know, outside of a couple things here and there, we we've been you know very cordial throughout the years and very professional. Um, and 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 but I would say I think one of the keys in that is is giving each other space to you know be who you are. Uh, one and and two make mistakes and um, you know three just you know not be up each other's you know what so much um, everybody's going to make mistakes everybody's going to get things right get things wrong but I, I think if if um, if you and your partner are showing up every day with an honest and right mindset and both looking to achieve the same goals you, you you're going to work through them and and have success. Um, but you know, you, you also, you know, have to give each other space to, to go through that process because it's difficult and the mistakes will happen, um, from both uh, of you. And, and, and I think, you know, you've got to realize that going in. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Just having that mutual respect, I think is very important, you know, value each other's opinions and thoughts and being able to, you know, compromise, you know, like actually have discussions, you know, reasonable, mature adult, you know what I mean? Like, let's not be petty. Let's not be teenagers. Let's not, you know, squabble and, you know, Hey, you know what, let's put it behind us and move on. I like that. I like that. I guess maybe just wrapping up Jason. um, You know, I guess I'll leave it to you. Any, any thoughts, any, any thoughts that you want to maybe give to the audience about your business, what you guys are doing, the future, 
um, you know, entrepreneur wise, anything about, you know, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting 12 months. I'll, I'll just say that for our, <laughs> for our industry, Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I don't know directly how it's, a, it's affected you guys, but it's been, it's been an interesting, uh, for the whole industry, for the food industry. Um, I feel like a lot of people have taken a beating and it's, you know, uh, it, it's, we've had to be flexible. We've had to figure some stuff out. And so, you know, um, you know, I, I guess my recommendation, you know, before I, I kind of let you close is, you know, like you said, you, you have to be able to adjust and be nimble and, and, and make changes and moves because yeah, I mean, uh, prices are going up, you know, you, you have to figure out how to, how to make the business survive. You know, a business is like a, like, like a, like a person, like a baby, you have to take care of it in order for it to continue to grow and thrive and make you money and keep your employees happy. And so then they can have a paycheck to go pay their bills and their mortgages. And so um, it's, just, it's just been an interesting, you know, for sure year for us. Any, any thoughts, suggestions going into the future for the next 12 months from your perspective as a, as a buyer, as a entrepreneur, um, obviously in our industry, anything you want to maybe tell the audience or, or, or the operators out there that are listening? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say let's be prepared for the unexpected here. Um, I, I think as someone said yesterday, you know, I think we're all expecting a, a boom um, here uh, for the next, you know, however long. Uh, but, but as this person said, we don't know if it's going to last for 10 minutes or 10 years. Um, and I think that's one of the challenges as we, as, as we look to um, run our businesses, invest in our businesses. Um, and, and, and so we've really got to stay on top of it and, and really under, you know, I, I think that, 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 that makes all the more important um, the decisions that we make within our business, you know, as we go forward. Um, because to me, it, it is very unknown. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I would, we, we here are very focused on looking at all parts of our business, um, trying to learn as much about them, trying to grow as much as, as we can, uh, you know, not being afraid to look for the answers outside the company. Um, because I, I do have a feeling that we've never had more access to qualified people and information in our lives, uh, in the palm of our hands. Uh, I would suggest that there's a great website called Go Catalan, um, where we have been able to connect with experts in the accounting space, in the finance space, um, in the commodity space, um, and and we've been using, uh, we've been sourcing, you know, relationships there for about five years, and the level of people that are available to work with are just, you know, Harvard and Yale and you and Duke and and you name it, I'm blown away every time we we put a problem up there. The level of people that 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 um, are willing to come, you know, work with us, um, but never stop uh, improving. And 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 you know, the incremental improvement in three and four and five different parts of your business has exponential impacts that really are what we're all trying to to, to gain. So you know, if we can be a help in in any part of that that process. You know, please drop me a note. Um, you know, my email is uh, jthomas at healthybrandoil.com. Um, if you're interested in some of the, the literature that we put together on the commodity markets, I have a, a, basically a daily note that goes out, just giving you some of the highlights. I'm happy to put you on that list. Um, or if there's a question um, about anything else, I'm happy to connect and, and, and help uh, 
and and have a conversation uh, and and you know work together with uh, customers and potential customers and um, you know be part of this uh, little community here. Hmm? I love it. I love it, Jason. Uh, you know, like uh, like you said, if people want to want to reach out, you guys have a website. You got a LinkedIn. You have a Facebook. Reach out to these guys. Um, you know, Jeff and and Bill with uh, BNA Foods uh, are the broker here in the Carolinas. Uh, great product. We've used you guys for many, many years. And uh, what was that other website you just mentioned about getting some help? Yeah, go Catalan. Um, I, I can email you that, Nick, and, and uh, so you have it. But um, we've connected with food safety people, as I said, accountants. Just uh, and and you know those parts of your business that maybe you have questions on that aren't big enough to bring it in house. You can you can work with very high level consultants for not a lot of money, and I'm talking expertise. You you know you lay in bed thinking about trying to get access to. Um, it's excellent. I would highly suggest it. Impressive, impressive. Well, Jason, I know you're super busy. You've got a massive company that you're running. I know that you guys, uh, like I said, the 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 research and due diligence and connections that you have up in New York and throughout the country and throughout the world. Honestly, like I said, I. I was thrilled when Jeff even said that you'd be willing to do this because I know the size of the business that you're running and it's very impressive. And I, I, I'm, I love it. I love it. You have a, a, an amazing success story, you know, where, you know, never owned a business before, you know, I don't know if you ever thought about it before, but you know, right people, right timing, right situation. And, uh, but you know what, you took advantage of it. Cause a lot of people have, opportunities in front of them they can't see it but there are opportunities all around you just so you know it's just a matter of being prepared and ready for them and then executing um because i'll be honest with you i mean there's ideas are 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 i don't want to say pointless but you know it, it, everybody has ideas we all have ideas that that, that could work it's yeah. a matter of executing those ideas and making them you know into fruition that actually counts and so uh thank you We'll, uh, we'll post below uh, all your information and, and, and your website and your link. Go find these guys, Healthy Brand Oils. Great company, great products, uh, great service, uh, and, and definitely experts in the market. So uh, appreciate it. Have an awesome rest of your day, Jason. And uh, we'll talk soon, brother. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thank you. The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.